Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Tuesday late morning. I guess early afternoon East Coast, but none of us are on the East Coast except for our producer Jackson. Joining me from Seattle, Washington is the machine, Kevin Pelton. It is definitely not afternoon here. Yeah, this is early for Pelton. Um, Pelton, what does your uh, machine say about uh, Kent State versus Indiana? 13 versus 4, preposterous time on Friday night. I got to say, I have not yet looked at the NCAA tournament bracket at all, but uh, I, I'm going to assume, you know, it's uh, probably favorable to Indiana given the, the seat differential there. Damn. Joining us from Oakland, California, Anscapes, Mark J. Spears. What's up, Spears? Man, just um, looking forward to seeing Texas A&M Corpus Christi today. <laughs> uh, Ross Williams, the son of, um, of uh, Pelicans head coach Willie Green. Uh, it's an amazing story. I got to write about him in Anscape. People were, you know, want to check it out on how he went from NEIA to Division Two to the NCAA tournament. It's pretty cool. Um, so I'm happy. Nice. I'd like to invite you to come write about Kent State after they upset Indiana. Why not? <laughs> By the Why way, not? Albany, What's New York. When's the last time you guys went to the tournament? Uh, five or six years ago. Okay. And that that time they played in Sacramento. I was there. They played UCLA. They were a 15 seed. Didn't have a great chance. UCLA had three first round picks, including Lonzo in their starting lineup. Um, playing in Albany, New York. I'm going up there. 10 o'clock, freaking 10 o'clock local start. It's ridiculous. Wow. Uh, I don't know. Television. Don't trust television networks. Right? <laughs> it's like it's like it's like you're going to a finals game. <laughs> I know. No, worse. <laughs> worse. So listen, well, I got, I got I a always... lot of time to tailgate. <laughs> yeah, it'll be wonderful in Albany. Jackson, our producer, he went to Syracuse. Yeah, you can tell me all about upstate New York in, in right. March. Uh anyway, we talk about the NBA. Sorry, that that digression. Spears, you were in uh, Sacramento. Last night, Monday night for Bucks Kings. I watched the game. Um, I'll yield to you here in a second, but um, I thought the Kings played really, really hard. Sabonis had a 23 17 15 game. Uh, her triple double. Yeah. And like prolific triple double. Kevin Herter he, like made eight out of his first 10 threes. Aaron Fox was good, not great, but he was he was okay. Uh, and I don't think the Bucks rarely came out of third gear and slapped up one thirty three and yeah. beat the Kings, who'd won eight out of nine already. Um, but I know you're uh, you've been with the Kings a lot. You've been on the Kings' uh, success early on. What what did you take away from that evening in sack? I think you know it. It tells you who the Kings are. Right. Like um, the Bucks are the bar. And now Giannis is back. Middleton, Middleton's starting to play better. I thought he had a pretty good game last night. He, started he had to see 31, some of, I think. Yeah. yeah. He's, that perhaps maybe his best game of the season, right? Or one of his more, more notable games. So that, that was like, they look like the Bucks. <laughs> they look like the best team in the league at this moment. And so I think it was basically uh, a chance for the Kings to see where they really are. And to your point, they were competitive the whole game. 
but ultimately, in the end, you know, the Bucks, like you said, they they never really seemed in peril. Although they did have to climb back a little bit, um, and so I, I think it's no question that the you know the Kings have solidified themselves as a playoff team and perhaps even a number two seed in the West. But the question is, like, how good are they? Are they a second round team? Are they just a first round team? And the expectations have grown there, you know, before the season. I think most Kings fans would have been like, you know what, if we get the play in, we'll be happy. Now they're like, you know, Mike Brown is talking like, hey, finals. As crazy Mike, as that is, Mike has sort of shifted the narrative in the last, yeah. you know, yeah, week like, or so, right? Yeah, like before, like if you would ask Mike a couple months ago, he didn't want to talk playoffs at all. Now he's like, we could do big things, we could do great things, and so I'm I'm curious to see like when the Kings and their magic numbers. I think around like nine right now, something like that. Um, Pelton probably mm-hmm. could answer that at the T. Of course, Pelton. I'm looking at I'm looking at the standings. <laughs> <laughs> we got a cheat code on here, um, <laughs> but like, there's this. I, I wouldn't. I'd be lying if I said this is amongst the players or or amongst the coaching staff. But I think amongst like ownership, maybe you know the front office, um, even the fans. There's this angst that has come from 17 years of not being in the playoffs and. As somebody said, like, you know, I, I, I think we're going to make it, but, like, what if we lose, like, nine in a row? I'm like, why would you guys lose, like, nine in a row? <laughs> and they're like, until it happens, we're not going to believe it. We're not going to get overly excited about it. And so, I, like, talking to different people up in Sacramento, to me, this is, like, this great story that's not getting a lot of steam at all. It's not getting any steam nationally. But when the Kings make it, there's going to be this emotional outpour in Sacramento to finally like exercise this ghost that's been haunting them for so long. Uh, I even saw Brad Miller at the game the other day and, and he was, he was like super excited. He's like, this reminds me of my old teams there. And so there's this Brad excitement. Brad Miller was a good there. player, man. He was a good he player. Was, yeah, he was a really good he was, player. He was on the last Kings playoff team, right? Yeah. Had to be. So. And so he, oh man, he looked like he just came out of the, uh, from hunting if you <laughs> man if i'm you sure he did. did did he does he ever not? whenever whenever brad wasn't on the court he always had like a thing of chaw in his mouth he would oh, do yeah. interviews with it yeah um and he had <laughs> you know uh camouflage hat oh yeah for oh sure. yeah yeah no he was definitely john deere all day right like <laughs> exactly he, he, <laughs> yeah as so i asked him i said hey man he was a man ahead of his time right he was yeah. a he was a big who could shoot like from yeah. the outside he was ahead of his exactly. time exactly so i was like when we going fishing he's like shoot bro i'm going hunting every day <laughs> that's, that's right. me. when you're ready to go hunt let me know i'm like nah that's all right i'm good on that but so i think um it'll be interesting to see like when they qualify for the playoffs where they are at in terms of the remaining part of the regular season like mike is adamant that they're going to continue to push the foot on the gas. That they're not going to let up. That they're not going to take a sigh of relief. Like you got to acknowledge the accomplishment of it, right? But um, I, I, I know that that city, man, it's going to be a super party when they make it's, it. 
it's also nine games till uh, Pelton. It's nine games till Spears gets to take his victory lap. I, I thought he was going to point that out at some point during that conversation. <laughs> yeah, because look, I, I thought I was a believer in the Kings last offseason because I thought they had a really good shot at making the play in. And it would have been interesting if they you know, were in a situation where they had made the play in but lost there, like how people would have treated the streak. To me, that wouldn't have ended it. But uh, No, it shouldn't have ended it. Now they're in a position where they don't have to worry about that very likely. But I get the angst. Like, as a casual Mariners fan, we saw it here in Seattle yeah, last year you know. where they were they were very comfortable. Spears was here when yeah, they actually <laughs> clinched it. Well, yeah, we were cool. at the uh, Clippers game against the team from Israel, and like there were chants in the arena at an NBA nice. game. Yeah. People were completely excited. unrelated because, and they had lost a couple in the row leading up to the the clinching the walk off homer by Cal Raleigh, and you start to wonder like. They can't possibly blow this, can they? So I, I get oh, you what can certainly relate, right? Yeah. And when well, let me ask you this: uh, when it got exercised, did it feel lighter in town a little bit? Like for sure. I mean, and the timing was kind of funny with those preseason games at the Clippers and the excitement yeah. about the the first NBA games at Climate Pledge Arena after that renovation was finished. So it was like a a very exciting week in Seattle sports to have that combo of things going on. Yeah, they're playing the A's so, too. I remember that. Yeah. So I um I I watched the Kings last two games and um I came away. Not that I haven't seen them all year, but I specifically watched the last two games. They played the Suns and the Bucks, so it's a good test. They beat the Suns in in Phoenix. It was a really good performance. I talked about it on the pod the other day. Um, I am continually blown away. Not blown away. Impressed with. How oh, Brian, can I stop you real quick? Yes, please. Let's, let's not forget that they beat the Knicks too. They be, ended the Knicks the, nine game nine game win streak. Well, no, Charlotte right. Charlotte ended it. Oh, that's right. Charlotte and, uh, ended it, but but like right. that was a really, I I really thought that you know it was possible. This is something that could show what the Kings are like. They could lose those three games, and they won two of those three games, which was I thought pretty impressive for them. So they they generate good looks, Pelton, very easily uh, without I mean the number one offense in the league. But as I was watching Milwaukee last night, Milwaukee scored at will. So we know that they're a bottom five defense, and I know that that Mike Brown, who's a defensive first coach, he will not have a bottom five defense during his whole tenure there. But I know that he has to try to get them to win, and the, the way that, that they win right now is to score. Um, so before we talk about the box, which I want to talk about Pelton, uh, defensively, it's very hard to get behind a team that ranks in the bottom five and say they can win multiple rounds of the playoffs, because if they're the two or three seed, there are, and they, they might get a draw that's even favorable. If jaw is not returning or is compromised in some way, like they could get on the side of the bracket that is way less complicated than if you're on the side of Denver and if Phoenix and Golden State end up in the four or five. I mean, there's no doubt that Sacramento would love its chances, especially if they can win the two seed in that situation. But can we, while I want to credit them for the, for how much they've improved, can we honestly look at this team and the way they defend and say that's a team that can win one or even two playoff series? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last time it was on in the large sample size theater that it's been since basically the LeBron Cavs that we've seen a team that's 
rated this poorly defensively in the regular season win a playoff series. And, you know, those teams were obviously a little different in terms of they had the extensive playoff track record and were, you know, largely cruising through the regular season, which is not what the Kings are doing this year. I I will say, and we mentioned kind of the 2005 Sonics is a parallel for a team that came largely out of nowhere, did win a playoff series, and then gave the eventual champion Spurs a, a tough matchup in the second round the other team i think that this this group reminds me of a little bit is the first year of this nuggets run when they had just missed the playoffs the previous year had lost out on that kind of de facto play-in game with minnesota for the eighth seed and then you know they end up i think the the two seed that year in the bracket same thing broke right where you had houston and golden state where the two dominant teams had met in the conference finals the year before they were both on the other side of the bracket played each other in the second round. Uh, Denver in the first round played a, a much more experienced San Antonio team that like a lot of the teams who might end up in their, you know, six, seven matchups this year, you know, hadn't played at that level anymore, was kind of on the downside of their curve. And San Antonio or Denver survived that one in a hard fought seven game series, then went seven with Portland the second round and was one win away from making the conference finals. So, you know, I think this is going to be a little bit tougher draw than that, just because there's so many teams that were considered contenders in that mix to finish six, seven in the Western conference. But uh, it's the same thing where it does set up for them to potentially make a longer run than you would expect based on the defense. And let me add this real quick. Um, Yeah. So when the Knicks um, played Sacramento, um, the Kings usually give this, have you guys seen this big chain DPOY chain, right? Yeah. Several teams do this sort of thing. But this is one of the few games where Mike was like, nobody gets the chain, even though they won, right? And I heard he was livid about the what uh, the Knicks did on the offensive boards, including 15 rebounds from Josh Hart, eight of them offensively. And so even though they won the game, they beat the Knicks, they light the beam, right? Mike lit into them, like really lit into them. And to your point, Brian, like he's pushing defense hard on these dudes, like the importance of playing great defense and showing them their stats on how they're dig- they've digressed, you know, they're digressing and and not playing well defensively. And, you know, um, and I think he's probably starting to play players that way where, he, you know, maybe we start seeing more Davion Mitchell. Um, but I, I know from what I'm hearing what Mike, like, defense and rebounding and attention to detail defensively is a really major concern for this team. He's definitely yanked the chain, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) uh, This last few weeks, I think because he recognizes how important getting to the two seed would be. And he, he does smell the opportunity and he wants to to get him there. But I do want to talk about the bucks Spears, You've seen the bucks twice in the last few days. They uh, lost in golden state. Giannis didn't Mm -hmm. play in that game. And then, uh, Giannis did come back, scored 46. I mean, you tell me how it looked to you personally. I I think Giannis didn't even go all the way to the floor in terms of he had more in the in the in reserve he needed to in that game. And the Bucs just to me, they are playing the, the best basketball in the league. And it happens to coincide on the same night where the Celtics lose in Houston. Um, and they've lost four of six. Celtics are banged up right now. You know, Marcus Smart, since he's come back from his injury, hasn't quite played at the same level that we've gotten used to seeing Marcus Smart. 
Um, Robert Williams is out right now with the hamstring injury. And, you know, anytime Robert Williams is out, the Celtics are less than, you know, Jalen Brown put up 43 in that game in Houston. Um, Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. Had miserable shooting nights. I didn't see any of that game. I, I don't even understand how Houston won because, because their two guards shot something like 13 of 45. It may not be exactly that number, but it was close to it. And somehow they beat the Celtics. Um, on a night when Jalen Brown had 43. The Celtics are not at their best right now. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and just talk about a certain week in March because the Celtics, there have been times where they've looked great. Um, But the Bucs are coming through this West Coast trip. And if if Boston can't make up ground, because Boston is on a long trip right now too, you know, if, if they're not able to make up ground, the schedule doesn't favor them. I mean, Milwaukee is going to probably get into that one. And that one is a huge difference because you avoid being on the same side as, as Philly. And I think Milwaukee is just as, as the season goes along, as Middleton strengthens, as Joe Ingles has strengthened um, coming off his injury, they look like the team to beat to me, not by a huge amount, but, and I mean, in the whole league, Spears. I don't know what you feel after watching. This no, I, I agree with you. Like what I saw last night in Sacramento was just dominant. Like Giannis just looked like, just like really a man among boys. It was just too yeah. easy. I mean, like think about it. He had forty six points in thirty four minutes, probably. I'm telling you, if he had really <laughs> had to, he might have been able to go to sixty without without yeah. really going quiet last night yeah and 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 i think the best thing that happened for the bucks is like chris middleton finally was chris middleton again 31 points first time he's reached 30 this season i mean he made five threes he looked like the all-star he was right um i think that was a, a a tremendous big sign for them you know that Okay, whatever. Like he he might have finally broken through this season at the right time, right? And even Drew Holiday didn't have a great game. And I think also Brooke Lopez showed a lot, right? In terms of sometimes <laughs> I, I I think we forget. I, I, you know what? We that was kind of fight in the last minute of the game. Oh yeah. Well, there's that part too, and I'm, I'll get there. But I sometimes forget how good he is. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live.
they signed him to this three-year, fifty-five million-dollar contract or something like that. He's yeah. at the end of it now. I was like, whoa. And when they signed him, I was like, that's aggressive for a guy that age. Um, but it's a bargain. It's a bargain. Made twenty had twenty-three points, four threes against Sacramento, and then I love that he had Giannis's back. And and what I also like about it is your star can't fight. You don't need your star fighting, man. The dude's wrist is messed up as it is, right? And the, I love that he stuck up, stuck up for him, and and made made it known that this is not somebody you mess with. Because you know, I I love when I see that. So, um, like they just look like if, if they, you know, and they didn't go deep into their bench, but their bench knows their role. Like Jake yeah. Crowder looks like a great, you know, addition for them. But he just knows his role. Bobby Portis, you know what he could bring them offensively. So I, I don't see them going that deep on their bench. But man, that starting five, man, is just they're good, man. They're really, really good. So what happened at the end of the game? It was they were dribbling it out. It was the last fifteen seconds. They're up seven or eight, whatever it was. The Bucks have the ball. Giannis has it. Trey Lyles comes over, and Giannis well, you, is dribbling well, it out. Well, well Giannis also. I think the Bucks. I mean, the Kings thought he was trolling a little bit because okay. he was like dribbling off slow, and then like okay. he, they felt like he. I think it was being a little sensitive, Fair but enough. like he dribbled in front of uh, of Lyles, and I know I think Mike has been on there, been on them about being tougher. In fact, he thought that uh, the Bucks kind of beat him up in Milwaukee, so I think that's in their head too, and it's. Yeah. They didn't get the light to beam, right? Like, you know, right. you're not going to get the, the light beam, to beam. The beam was close for the night. Uh, but Lyles yeah, so kind of surprised me yeah. with that. Like, that was a little extra. He might get, uh, he could get suspended. Or yeah. he's going to get, because he, so he, um, he just sort of tried to steal the ball from Giannis and kind of bumped him. And I think they called a foul. But he shoved him. Yeah, well, he. Like, the he, shove was like, huh? Yeah, and he shoved him. And then Lopez came in and he kind of, I didn't like study the frame by frame. He kind of went Lyles after grabbed him, him first. Yes, Lyles grabbed Brooke first, but Brooke stepped in, say, get away from my MVP. And then I don't want to say Lyles grabbed him by the neck, but it kind of looked like he put his hands up near his head. No, he and grabbed then, his neck. Okay, good. I, I didn't I don't want to say no, that. He grabbed his I, neck. I, I watched the replay a couple times. He grabbed his and, neck uh, and then Brooke yeah. grabbed his head and Yep, and they, were and they on both the got ejected table too. And and they would, yeah. And 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 take and Brian and Kevin asked answer me this: like, can it can people get in trouble for hitting the scores table? Is that like going into the stands? Could there be some extra punishment there for that? I don't know. I just know that you're not. You shouldn't be grabbing guys by the neck. Yeah. So he's either going to get suspended or he's going to get a slap fine for that because. Um, and then they both got ejected <laughs> and Brooke kind of was yeah. really being demonstrative. You know, I know Brooke a little bit. Um, you know, he's been around the league for 15 years. He's, he's obviously a pretty mild mannered guy. I mean, he can play yeah. with edge, but he's a mild mannered guy. So to see him so fiery, um, and I know that's happened a couple of times, but I've never really seen him that angry. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to almost take him seriously because I know how much of a kind of an easygoing guy he is, but he was really, you could see it in his eyes. He was angry. Um, 
but anyway, I was just really impressed with that Bucks performance. And um, I, I don't know what to make of the game in, 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 uh, in San Francisco Spears. I think the Warriors are just super dangerous. Um, and I, I have, I, I give them no absolution for that ridiculous road record and their complete lack of interest in playing defense on the road. But when they turn it on and they turned it on on Monday night against us, this game against the Suns was over in the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Clay and, and, and Steph are hitting shots. I and mean, that's been the case for a decade. Yeah. Um, but you know, those two wins, granted, they were at home. Granted, could've, one could've, team was missing. Probably Durant, you would have said a week ago that they would lose them, right? Well, I mean, Giannis didn't play and Durant didn't play. And, you know, you can yeah. easily say that that's well, but a fact. Wiggins that, didn't play. And yeah. he's been out. And who knows when he comes back. But Wiggins being out is a huge loss. Right. So that would have been their primary defender on both those guys. So, yeah. um, Pelton, what do you think about uh, the way the Warriors are playing right now? Obviously, the splits are the splits. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you keep you keep waiting for it to come back to those records to come back to each other because there's no history basically of a team being this good on, at home and this bad, bad on the road and it being kind of an intrinsic property of the team as opposed to, you know, kind of something that just happened when I looked at this in January when it was, you know, the point right after they were the best home team in the league and the worst road team in the league at the same time the evidence was like it's almost all the opponent three-point shooting, which is not something you really control as a defense. And I don't think that's dramatically changed since then. So, you know, I, I don't think the fact that it hasn't regressed towards the mean on both sides doesn't mean it won't in the future. Like it, it eventually it's inevitably got to happen. I do think that the Warriors, like as we project them in the playoffs, they're probably closer to the team we've seen at home than they are on the road. You know, you guys talked about it on the Monday pod. Obviously, you need Wiggins in those settings because of, you know, as you just mentioned, that he's going to be the player defending the opponent's best scorer on the wing at this stage. That's not what you want to ask Clay Thompson to do. Jordan Poole isn't going to be doing it. Dante DiVincenzo is too small. You know, maybe Gary Payton II is back by that. They had an update yesterday on him that, you know, I think was reasonably encouraging and he'll help their wing depth. And then Andre Iguodala being back the last couple of few games has has been helpful as well. But they still yeah. need Wiggins if they're going to make a run in the playoffs but you yeah. watch them when clay is shooting it like he did last night you know steph's still playing at a high level the ingredients are still there which is you know i think why bon Temps has been saying all along that they're his pick in the west and then you know jamichael green he's been playing but good he ball has. which is which is good timing because anthony yeah. lamb can't play any more games on this two-way yeah and is he and out of so games he is out of games yeah he's okay. out in santa cruz you know, surfing, waiting to find out what happens. Uh, so, and then um, Kaminga, Kaminga was playing pretty good, and he's been out. So, I mean, if they add Kaminga and Peyton, get Wiggins back, if they if they could get all that those guys back within, you know, the coming days, that I'm really curious how really good they could be uh, going into the postseason. So last night. Um... Clay feeling himself, you know, I love kind of trash talk clay. I'll never, he was, he was doing it in the game. He was getting into a booker in the game. 
Um, I'll never forget uh, when he talked trash during the 2016 finals. Um, I was just <laughs> caught me by surprise when he talked trash about LeBron. Um, I love trash talk clay. And he basically said last night, like you're going to see on this five game road trip, you know, you're going to see basically. So they start on Wednesday at the Clippers. That is a game that could help determine the number five seed. Uh, I'm not sure you want the five seed to be honest with you, because I think there, I, um, you know, Phoenix has lost their cushion a little bit on the four since Durant uh, went out and they play the uh, Bucks tonight at home. We'll see how that goes. If Melvin Middleton's going to play, we'll see if Giannis plays, but um, I still think you'd rather be the six than the five, but okay, that's a potentially big game. But regardless of the seeding, that's a game against the Clippers who have been playing well, and it's the Warriors' chance to prove they can back it up with their what they talk about this road trip. Then they go to Atlanta, who has not been playing that great, uh, just got blown out by the Wolves. Um, then they, go, they play in uh, Memphis again. They just lost in Memphis a couple of days ago. Then they play in Houston, which you absolutely should win, but the Rockets um, beat the Celtics last night. By the way, Jabari Smith Jr. has had three consecutive 2010 games. He's starting to round in. That was, I said I didn't really understand how the Rockets could win that game when, when uh, Porter and Green played so poorly. The answer was because Jabari Smith played excellent, and he has been putting up numbers. Um, but they play uh, that game. And by the way, um, they do have one back-to-back in this series, in this set, because you don't know who's going to play. That's the Warrior, the Hawks-Grizzlies game. So I don't know on Saturday if everybody's going to play. But uh, just to point that out. But um, if they play in uh, in Houston, and then they finish the road trip in Dallas in a game that you'd hope Luka and Kyrie would be back for. So, um, yeah. okay, they've played great at home. They have announced that they intend to play well on this road trip. Let's see. Let's yeah. see. If they go on this road trip and, and kick tail. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I just defer to the team I know they can be. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom. Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. I talked to Steph. Uh, he turns 35 today. Yeah, you had a, a story come out on yeah. Anscape about this. And so he he also, in the midst of the story, like uh, Under Armour launches this, we must protect this house. Remember that commercial and everything? Uh, they, they that, was their, it. Uh, that was their their initial saying, yeah. initial slogan. So they, they've redone it um, with Steph and Plum. 
and and the star basketball player from University of South Carolina women's. So they're like two women in the in the commercial, which is great. Um, Kelsey Plum like, is one of the great personalities in basketball. Yeah, I know Pelton agrees with me of being a WNBA aficionado yeah. and yeah. and UW's own Kelsey Plum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize that. It's my perhaps the greatest right women's basketball player ever, right in college in terms of. Stats. I mean. Yeah, she's all-time leading scorer, and Great I saw score. her. She got there by scoring fifty-seven in a game that I that yeah. I covered. So that was well, an incredible. No, hold on yeah. here, Brianna Stewart, University of Kentucky. I mean, uh, Connecticut. Uh, yeah, she, her she did, her she college to, record. You know, pretty well, pretty she, pretty good. She yeah. didn't need to score as many points for UConn yeah. as Kelsey did for for the other Huskies. What uh, I what I asked Steph about, I was like, so when you guys uh. You protected Chase Center, but when you leave it, he goes, "Yeah, man." <laughs> he's like, <laughs> "He's like, we got to figure out the right mentality when we, when we get on the road." It's it's, I, and this is like, you know, we got the guru, uh, Kevin Pelton here. Like, I've never seen a team be so bad on the road and so great at home like that. It's like you could flip the number. I agree, but we know who they are. Like, we don't know who the Kings are, really, really. But we know who the Warriors are. He also said in that story, Spears, that he thinks he's got a lot more in the tank or more in the tank. Yeah. And I'm not in his body. I don't know how he feels. But based on what I'm seeing, I happen to agree. I do think he's got more in the tank. And it's also different than LeBron because I think LeBron also has to be so much more physical with every game, right? He gets hit more. He's down in the post more where, you know, Steph, how often is he going to get hit, right? It's, it's, um, his dad played till he was 37. Mm, and I didn't, didn't realize that. Yeah. D- didn't have the technology that he has today. Right. Yeah. Or, um, Steve Kerr said something really interesting the other day. He said, uh, Steph Curry is the best conditioned athlete he's ever been around. I was like, Michael Jordan? <laughs> like, wow. Like, I, I wish I would have followed up on it and asked him, like, that's saying a lot. You play with Michael Jordan. Um, but, yeah, we, we're not seeing any Steph digress. And uh, he's been talking to Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady about playing 240 or past 40. And so that leads me to believe that, uh, you know, he's trying to pass the 40 mark as well. Is it going on any darkness retreats? I don't know if Aisha will let him do that. The kids Listen, would have I'll to tell you join. one thing. If Steph has three days <laughs> off, if Steph has three days off, he's not spending it in a hut. It, he's going no. to be playing golf. Yeah, you can't golf yeah. in a darkness retreat. <laughs> um, and but, um, for sure. Uh, yeah. So the thing about Steph is that his ability to get open because he's such an incredible mover without the ball is what has largely defined his career. Other than the fact that he's one of the greatest shooters, he has to get open. I mean, Steve Kerr was a brilliant, brilliant shooter. He couldn't move like Steph. Um, If he could, he could get, I mean, you know, and I'm not smashing Steve. He'd, he'd say it too. Um, He's a spot up shooter. Um, Steph creates his own uh, space. So, If he can continue to do that, I know he's going to be able to shoot when he's 70. Yeah. Um, you know, you ever see these uh, old retired guys shoot spears? They can still knock. I mean, oh, like I, when we I've watch Kenny Smith shoot on the show, he never misses. Bob McAdoo, who is no longer on the bench for the Heat, but when I covered the Heat for those years, 
it would always have to be the new players who would come to the team because, um, you know, the players who'd been there for a while knew they couldn't beat them. Um, but McAdoo would take their money. And horses. Top 50, whatever shooting game they play. McAdoo's yeah. top 50 all-time player. Top 75, top 50. I mean, come on. And the guy was, it was a historically incredible score. And he'd just sit there and make 15, 18, 20 in a row mid-range shots. He wouldn't even jump. So, you know, I know that when Steph is, uh, I mean, what do you think Ray Allen would shoot in a three-point contest right now? You think well, he puts him in there? He'd do a lot better oh, yeah. than some of the competitors in this year's contest. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I agree with stuff. So anyway, before we go, Pelton, you have a piece coming out tomorrow where, uh, the machine is uh, cranking out its draft, uh, projections. Um, we don't talk about drafts or draft a lot on this show, frankly, cause I just don't follow. I don't have the bandwidth to follow college, but you do, you follow both particularly one of the things that has been discussed in the very light conversations I've had with scouts recently, I run into scouts at airports. If you want the truth, like the personnel guys, also a lot of the guys who do college and pro that I talk to have just been out at all the conference tournaments and stuff. They don't watch the NCAA tournament as much. I mean, they do scout it, but they really pay attention at the end of the regular season, the conference tournaments. Um, so I'm hearing some things, um, but I'm certainly not an expert, but, but Pelton, you have, something interesting i think in your in your at the top of your at the top of your projections so yeah so in the consensus projections that factor in where players are in jonathan gavoni's top 100 obviously victor wimbanyama is number one in those projections but number two is not scoot who's been kind of the presumed number two all season long and certainly solidified that position in the matchups against wimbanyama when uh, his team came over to play g league ignite back in october but since then, Scoot Henderson has not kind of played at that same level for Ignite during their their uh, regular season, and then also the uh, the the tournament competition that they have in November and December. And the number two prospect for me now, even factoring in that consensus rank, is Brandon Miller from Alabama. And you know, Gavoni has started talking about that. That you know, this is now a conversation among scouts. Is Scoot still the number two guy or has Brandon Miller surpassed him? Yeah, I talked to a veteran executive just in the last week and uh, he told me that he currently has Brandon Miller number two on his board. Um, so it is a thing. Board's not finalized, draft isn't for months, but Spears, I've heard it and Pelton's rankings yeah. are reflecting it. And I'm... I'm hearing mixed things on it in, in terms of uh, Scoot and Brandon Miller. Obviously, Brandon Miller has a situation, a major situation that um, could play a role. But um, yeah, I'm one, not passing judgment on all that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You know, just I'd, from I'd, a player evaluation. But I, you know, one team president told me that, you know, he's. Um, yeah, we don't have to get deep into that. That's that's a whole nother ball game. It we'll is a factor. About, it will yeah, be a, but factor it is a factor in the draft process, yeah. but that's yeah. not what's spitting out of Belton's. Yeah, but but days. yeah, no. Scoot has like uh, about ten days of playing left with the G League Ignite. His um, final game is a week from Saturday in LA against the the Lakers G League team, and then I think it's off to Atlanta to start getting ready. So 
this is this is his last kind of stretch to really show everybody like why he should like the last time I when we saw him at NBA All-Star weekend he still was talking about believing that he could be number 1 now this is the conversation's even changing more and so he's a really really confident kid he believes he should be number 1 I don't I, I wonder how this conversation is changing uh his mind process as well so knowing how competitive he is I I wouldn't be surprised to see him you know he, he has like five games left really try to pick it up and and because this is this is it for him this is it until the workouts begin but I mean look what it says to me is these three players are great man I mean all three of them are really good and um which bodes well for um, you know, you got to keep an eye on the Thompson twins, right? At, at overtime elite, like this is starting to be at least in the top 10, I think a pretty good draft. Yeah. So I know Gavoni was pretty impressed with um, the overtime elite. He went to the, I don't want to speak for him. He was at the overtime elite finals, but I know he was impressed with, with that. Um, and um, I don't know. I can't, give an honest assessment of Scoot Henderson's game versus Brandon Miller's game. I have not studied them. I do know that if all else is equal, NBA players are going to default to the bigger player. That's a historic thing. It, it, by the way, it's led to mistakes. Okay. Yeah. It's not an infallible thing, but I do know that that is the thing. And I, and I know that Brandon Miller's size is, an ex, is extremely attractive versus yeah. Scoot, who is a powerhouse, a powerhouse, yeah. Yeah. but is smaller. Um, by several, but what is he listed? Six, two, I think. Um, and then another thing, Brian is uh, a general manager told me that in today's NBA shooting guards that could really score are like deemed of really high value more, more so than any other position. Well, anybody who is six, two needs to be able to shoot. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there are players who are 6'2 who aren't ex- exceptional shooters who can be good. But really, in today's day and age, you really, really got to be a, a great shooter to at that size. And I think that's one of the differences we've seen over this G League season is compared to what we saw from Scoot in those two exhibitions against Wemanyama's team is he was really shooting the ball quite well at that point. He's at 27% on threes during the G League regular season, which is one reason his efficiency just hasn't been there. Whereas Brandon Miller is, you know, a, a, a very accurate shooter and at his size. I mean, that's again, kind of the prototypical wing combo in the NBA. I, I don't quite know who to compare him to because I feel like some of the other guys that have had his size and shooting ability have kind of relied a little bit more on their size. You think of even, you know, Brandon Ingram, uh, younger in his career, you know, he kind of, he almost plays kind of a bully ball style, which is odd for Brandon Ingram, given that he's all so skinny like Miller is, but Miller, it's much more facing the basket. I'd say maybe Paul George is kind of, kind of where his game trends towards. If I had to pick a comp for him. Yeah. Um, you know, when Benyama hasn't shot the, now this is somebody I have studied when Benyama hasn't shot the three well since Vegas either. <laughs> Something, uh, <laughs> Uh, he's under 30. I haven't checked it most recently, but he's been under 30%. But is he that a, has. Is, is that an NBA three or is that an international no, three? No, no, no. International three. Yeah. It's, mm. you know, the style that they play over there is a lot different. Um, 
I think he will shoot the three. Okay. I don't think he's ever going to be, well, I shouldn't project, but um, he's not a brilliant shooter in Vegas. He shot the ball incredibly and, and people's mouth dropped open. Um, he does score very efficiently and he leads that league in points, rebounds, blocks, second and free throw attempts, stuff like that. Um, he's going to be the MVP of the league, but um, um, he does not, that is not the, that what you saw in Vegas has not been the Wenbanyama that has been the rest of the season in terms of shooting. And the same, I guess, for Scoot because his numbers are down under 30%. But um, I remember saying I didn't think LaMelo Ball would ever be an effective shooter because I was really turned off by his shooting numbers and he has really turned himself into a dangerous three point shooter. So um, yeah. you got to remember how young these guys are. Oh yeah, and and yeah. how much better the teaching is going to be once they get to this level. I will say this: like um, Scoot plays against you know men, and it's and it's yeah. easier probably. It's hard. It's going to be harder on him. I mean, he's getting paid. I don't know how much Brandon Miller's NIL deals are, but you know, one of the things that when you play in the ignite, your situation is going to be different. Before this pod started, our producer Jackson was saying. If Scoot was playing for Kansas right now, I don't remember if where yeah. he was considering, but you know he may have a different, you know th- that 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 might have a factor. But the Ignite guys, you know, in its infancy, the Ignite program has turned out some some positive stuff. So he picked yeah. it for a reason. Yeah. Um, so, all right, thank you, Mr. Spears. Thank you, Mr. Pelton. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Everybody, uh, thanks for listening to Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you guys with the Tims on Friday. Hey, can I add something real quick? Yes, sir. A friend of mine told me they're a big fan of your podcast. Just wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, jazz aficionado Branson Branford Marsalis told me he's an avid listener and respects your work, man. Not just Utah jazz, actual <laughs> jazz. Yeah. Maybe he likes the Utah jazz too. No, he's a New well, Orleans Pelicans fan. He used to like the New yes. Orleans jazz. But Bran- yes. Branford told me to give you a shout out and he said he enjoys the podcast. He's, I don't know if he's as. Uh, you know, as big a fan as Mc, of McMahon's craziness, but uh, he said he really enjoys you. <laughs> well, none of us are. None of us are. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you, Mr. Marsalis. Uh, it's always great to hear from uh, someone who is uh, elite in their craft, and he certainly is. Yes. So, Spears, you got to go to Jazz Fest. Let's go. It happens during the playoffs. I don't know if the Pelicans are going to make it to Jazz <laughs> if, Fest. If they're there and we're in town, we're going. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Take care.